Hello, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Listen Chica's 12th podcast episode. Today, I have a very special guest. And yes, we are wearing masks to keep ourselves protected. Uh, today, I have with me Adrian Bruman. Say hi, Adrian. Hello, hello. All right, so we're going to get right into it. And we're going to get to know Adrian a little bit. So oh, of course. I'm a, I know majority of the things he's going to say because I've known Adrian for about, mm, I'd say, three, four years. Reality so. five, but well, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, uh, tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I guess right now, uh, tw- 21 right now, I'm going to University of Texas last semester, hopefully. Um, at least at least you hope it is, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. But COVID's, COVID's pretty wild right now, so mm-hmm. you never know. Um, originally from, from Waco, Texas, all if you really want to go back and then move to San Antonio about when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. And then that's where I was raised throughout my life until I decided Austin, Texas is my new home. So awesome. some fun stuff. So what's your major? Government. Government, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the government is definitely my forte. One day, aspire to be a politician, Bruman 2035 or something along the lines, <laughs> you know. Like, but um, yeah, I think I think having a government degree doesn't just mean that you're interested in government. It means that you're in you know, social skills, you're in public speaking, all yeah. that good stuff. So really, it's, I haven't set in stone what I want to do with that quite yet, but mm-hmm. I have an idea. So where did that idea stem from to go into government? I would say probably as as young as middle school, to be quite honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. middle school is whenever I, I joined debate because um, there's not many electives offered at middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, you got choir, band, orchestra, or theater and i didn't like any of those choices and at the very bottom of the list is debate and then signed up for the class then naturally liked it realized public speaking is my thing Mm -hmm. realized i love arguing with people yeah not just know that but not just arguing (laughs) you know like logical thinking i like i like diving into to real you know talk about things that really apply to your life you know um and ever since then i've been in love with debate been in love with public speaking and the idea of helping people yeah. and doing what you do best, yeah. you know, speaking out for people who don't have a voice is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. That's awesome. And do you work right now? I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm working um, part-time right now with, with T-Mobile, mm-hmm. you know, just a uh, side job until I get my degree and mm-hmm. hopefully there's a real job behind it all. But like I said, you never know. <laughs> yeah. And you do mariachi, right? I do. Yes. I have a mariachi group of my own. Mariachi Cielo Azul. I uh, made that group about uh three years ago Mm -hmm. and we are now the largest student-led group that's privately owned in austin wow it's pretty good that's awesome and how did that start uh so my freshman year i was looking to join the uh, university of texas mariachi ensemble Mm -hmm. i joined that group it was really nice mariachi paredes they they also got a facebook page if you want to check them out Mm -hmm. um played with them for for a semester and realized that as long as I was going to play with them, I wasn't going to make any money doing it, which wasn't an issue because I love playing the music just just for the fun of it. But at the same time, broke college kid, freshman year, you yeah. don't want to be poor and having to rely on your you know parents and say, I need money here, I need yeah. money here, calling grandma or something like that, you know. So <laughs> um, made a made a freshman group of my own uh, that that year, and we kind of just took off from there. So luckily, most of the people that are in the UT Mariachi Ensemble also play with me. Mm-hmm. We, we gig for like, weddings quinceaneras birthdays all that good stuff and uh and we're outside of the university so we can take payment we can Mm -hmm. we can kind of go in places that aren't as comfortable 
where the university won't go, yeah. you know. But so you started that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's and so how do you manage everything? Because that seems like a lot, especially for a college student. It's definitely a lot. Um, but I think things have definitely gotten easier as times progress and you learn how to manage your time better. Mm-hmm. I think freshman year was the first time I really started working part-time and yeah. was working part-time, going to college full-time. And then I also had this mariachi gig on the side. And my schedule was, was pretty damn packed from... Yeah you know, Monday through Friday, weekends, I was lucky to have a day off too. Um, But I I would say probably after freshman year is whenever I think I was able to manage that time better, kind of um, take your priorities, know which ones you need to get done first, Mm -hmm. what business needs to be done. And then after that, then coordinate with everybody. How can we all make sure we don't cram our schedules, you know? So there's a lot of managing aspects for the for the mariachi definitely because in the, the day it is a business yeah um and i like technically i guess have people on payroll that i have to like monitor make sure everybody's treated fair mm-hmm. there's not any hostility in the group blah 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 but um everybody's also adults yeah. and, and self-management is really important and being very transparent with everybody and mm-hmm. and um having everybody work as a team makes your job a lot easier you know yeah. so i don't have to necessarily put all my time into the group and then put all my time into work and then have to worry, how am I going to get my assignments done? You know, yeah. most of the time I, if I can, you know, study for a couple hours and just work, work, work on all, all things like my homework for classes or just assignments, then I have time for all the rest, you know? Yeah. So what really motivates you to continue doing that? I mean, I feel like as a college student, sometimes I get in moods where I don't want to do anything. Do I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm definitely a procrastinator too. So like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not on top of things 24 yeah. seven. There's been many times where we're like, we're getting ready for a gig and suddenly I realized I hadn't asked anybody for their availability and we don't have a group ready yeah. for tomorrow or we, you know, I have an assignment that's due at midnight yeah. and I'm starting at 11 PM. You know, like there's, <laughs> there's definitely been times it's, I'm not by any means like, managing my time yeah extraordinarily great but but you're getting I think, things done but yeah it's never there's never been a point where i was like this is too much to handle something's gotta go because you really? know if, yeah if i felt if i felt that there was any one of those aspects that was overwhelming me too much that was causing me stress or was preventing me to do other things that i enjoyed and then at that point i would reevaluate you know how mm-hmm. important is it um what can i do to change that load management what can i do better to to just make my schedule a little bit more uh, easier flowing throughout the week. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I've luckily I haven't had that overwhelming stress that some people have. Government is not necessarily um, too hard on the workload. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I was like studying neurochemistry or yeah. something like that, yeah, then I would that would definitely be like really against the wall and wouldn't have yeah. time for a lot of things. Because I do have friends and I do have members in, in like the mariachi, for example, that are. Mm-hmm are chemists they're engineers yeah, yeah. and and they are the ones that 50 percent of the time can't make a gig because they're doing homework and yeah. you know the workload for them is much more not necessarily like it's not more but it's harder you know it's a different part of the brain that i i'm not familiar with <laughs> so um i'm sure many people that are gonna listen probably know that we've known each other since high school um but it's kind of a blur to me how exactly we met. So I, I was going to ask you if you even remember how we met. Yeah, well, I knew you in Miss Benoit's class in mm-hmm. WAP, but 
you were never on my side of the room there was assigned seating so yeah. i never really knew you mm-hmm. knew you but like i knew of you being oh, in the okay, same class okay. well, of you i want to know what you knew of me oh what i mean i knew of you I mean like i knew your brenda who sits oh, across, really? <laughs> who your brenda who sits across the class for me you know <laughs> okay. that's not, that's about all i knew you know that's i knew of you all right there's nothing else to there but probably probably the maybe that same year or um whenever you started being a trainer for track is whenever so that was my senior year. That was the beginning of the senior year. Really? Yeah. Senior year. Yeah, well, I guess... Because WAP was junior year. Yep. Um, And so you probably just knew that aspect of me being a- across from you, but senior year is when I actually became... Yeah, um, yeah. Because I was the boys' track team trainer spring semester. But I knew you last semester, I think, because of Miss Cox. Could be Miss Cox, too. Yeah. Because I knew I had you in Miss Cox. Yeah, but I think I think I had you in Miss Cox, and you were also a trainer at the time. So, it Miss Cox was first period. Yeah. And then track was like in the evening. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got double Brenda time. Oh, wow. I, it's really funny, and I want to mention this. I remember Adrian, and I think majority of our high school remembers Adrian. Every single morning, just uh, yeah. let's let's hear it one more time. Well, I'll, I'll spare everybody the details. They can they can find it on many social media platforms from <laughs> other people. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into these questions. Um, all right. So, since you obviously are studying government in college, you must at this point have some political views that you stand by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think really helped you form your political views? Because I feel like there's so many different, I mean, we all have an opinion, but I think nowadays it's, I feel like people get confused on what to believe because of everything that's shown on the media and then everyone else's opinion, you know, the way you're raised, who you're raised by, what they believe. Um, how do you feel like you came to a point where you, you knew what you stood by when it came to politics? I think probably that point exactly of taking in all forms of media, social media, you know, radio, television, film, all everything, um, getting those different perspectives, taking in what I thought was right, taking in what I thought was wrong, and those gray areas trying to decide what side I was really on is really what helped me form my views. Mm. Um, I think right now, uh, if you're watching anything on the news like cnn fox news it's very very polarized Mm -hmm. so you get extreme sides of the the spectrum you know whether it's really hard left hard right conservative liberal democrat republican whatever Mm -hmm. it is it's just very extreme um extreme news you know it's not necessarily fake news like you know a lot of people will want to say but it's it's just very polarized you know um i think i think journalism too is, is probably one of the most I would say the underdog of all forms of, of information and, and knowledge. Why do you say underdog? Because I don't, whenever I ask somebody where do they get their news from, I, the response I usually get is not from, oh, I, I read journalism. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I read this article on the Huffington Post. Yeah. Or I, I read this news article on so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, I found it on Twitter. I found that on Instagram, you know. Yeah. Which, by the way, Twitter is not good for news. You should not get no. news by the way. Um, I, not, <laughs> I made that, that mistake but. early on. <laughs> um, so how did you how did you learn 
what is right and wrong in your eyes because i feel like everyone has a different definition well, of it see that that's very subjective right i mean um you teach yourself what's right and wrong mm-hmm. and you teach yourself by by gauging how one people view your opinions because public opinion does really matter yeah regardless of people say they don't care what other people say what other people say ultimately dictates what they believe in um that's that's the first concern the second concern i think is really gauging on what you truly believe in rather than just what you're wanting to side with yeah so i think we have an issue right now too where if you call yourself for instance like a democrat or republican you tend to automatically side with everything that the democratic or the republican platform stands for and that's wrong yeah that's essentially straight ticket voting on the idea of beliefs you mm-hmm. know and it, it really becomes a problem whenever you're not thinking for yourself because you're just adopting a platform that was already preset for you you know what i mean so do you do you agree with the two-party system would you want uh, do you think we'd ever get a point where we wouldn't have a two-party system will we ever probably not uh, do i agree with it absolutely not but that doesn't mean that it can't be effective because it can be very effective as so much the two parties aren't on opposite ends of the aisle right now they're on opposite ends of the aisle so there's it's very hostile mm-hmm. it's a very timid environment to be in the political world right now yeah but if if you're closer to the aisle you know everyone's a little bit more willing to cooperate not necessarily as far to the left or right mm-hmm. as the other person then there's more cooperation why do you think it's gotten so extreme from those two opposing parties how it, how it's getting right now to where it really is to the point where people don't want to say even one opinion they might have because they could be generalized i think we're getting to a point where self-identity is probably it's it never in history before a self-identity be more important than what it is at least in the u.s mm-hmm. um how you feel about yourself you know whether it be mentally or physically mm-hmm. um your just self-image of what you want to become mm-hmm. all of that's very very important to to yourself and nobody else wants to be the same as somebody else you mm-hmm. know the, the time for idolizing people and i want to be just like them is over now everybody um their new moral and their new i guess um perspective is is that they want to be themselves unfortunately everybody wants to be themselves and everybody's different yeah and so when everybody wants to i guess try to band together it becomes rather difficult when everybody refuses to acknowledge that they're alike in some way or that they don't share some common beliefs. Maybe they share a common belief, but they're different in some other way, so they can't be put in the same category. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's where you get so many small groups, small factions forming. You know, you, that's why on, on the political spectrum you have your extreme left, your moderate, your moderate blue, moderate red, and then your extreme right, Tea Party, or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, along the lines of just being an extremist about anything. Yeah, the, that just shows that there are just so many groups and so many variations of opinions that people have that it's very, very hard to come together and all agree on one thing because it's not as simple as a one-size-fits-all, you know? Do you believe that where we are now was preconditioned or it's just it's naturally happening on its own? It's preconditioned in a sense. There's a lot of historical context that has shaped this world today that have given us some real problems that this generation 
shouldn't have to address. Like what? Um, like climate change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, climate change is, is a serious thing. Those who say it's not real, just open a textbook. It's all I urge. Um, and if we would have been smarter or if just humanity would have been smar- smarter about pollution, regulating gas emissions, regulating car emissions, anything, um, you we definitely could have avoided, you know, deteriorating the atmosphere of what it is now mm-hmm. and, and causing what is climate change, global warming, and the rise of sea levels. Mm-hmm. That's something that we were born into, our generation. Yeah. Our parents, that wasn't necessarily a big topic of discussion. It wasn't yeah. global warming, global warming. There was some talk about pollution and there was some talk about, you know, what is fracking doing? What is all what is oil drilling doing? Well, what's mm-hmm. happening? What are the consequences? But it was all fairly new. It's all new to them. You know, this is the first time where especially everybody has access to technology. Yeah. So if something's known, it's going to be known by everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate that this generation has to deal with the issues that previous generations had or are at fault for. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that we're incapable of it. It just means that we're having to, Look at look at this issue in a in a way that they didn't see it, yeah. you know, because if they did see it in the way we saw it, then it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, but I think they also had certain disadvantages that we now today probably have much more of an advantage of, of being able to start something really small and make it go big really quickly. I feel like back then it was much harder to do. Very true. I mean, but it's crazy because just there's also like just biologists and ecologists that will say that that the climate is just always naturally changing like if you ask 80 years ago it would have been global cooling you know mm-hmm. and and then that would have reflected just a change in, in earth's patterns you know yeah. so so i think there is a gray area in which just how much uh, of an impact that that humans are having on the planet but it doesn't take a genius to, to know that like if you throw a plastic bag out onto a tree and that plastic bag sits there for days and days and days, and then more plastic comes on it, then that's polluting the earth, and that doesn't help the trees. You know? yeah. it's, it's just, it's common sense, and it's, um, I, I, I think I I like that more countries are kind of starting to acknowledge it being a big issue, um, depending on what leader they have, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I think everybody's on the same page of, of trying to fight it now, so that's good. I feel like we're kind of behind behind compared to other countries for sure yes yeah um but the, what i also like to, to say is we're not failing yeah yeah at, at tackling the issue i mean other countries too i mean probably scandinavian countries are probably the most notable that are you know revolutionizing green energy mm-hmm. i mean I, i've been to denmark and sweden both of which that they're leading the world in, in wind energy yeah and they're they have visibly have wind turbines that are producing all this energy but at the same time they're both smaller than the state of texas yeah. you know so it's it's not i mean they could be a little bit bigger but um comparatively speaking to the size of the united states we, yeah. we've got a lot more mass we've got a lot more people to to take care of so it's a little bit easy not easier but it's in the sense of what's relative um to the size of their nation and ours it's easier for them to do it than us you know you, oh no go on <laughs> oh no go ahead yeah uh i was gonna just gonna ask you um do you believe factory farming plays a role in climate change 
Um, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, factories were, were the initial source of pollution, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think outsourcing jobs and creating sweatshops and other third world nations even deteriorates the climate in those areas too. Yeah. You know, I mean, take Mexico, for instance, Mexico city was, has probably on the top 10 cities of, of most investment from nations around the world. And the reason is because it's so cheap mm-hmm. and, and they can afford to build factories and they can afford to, you know, um, pay their workers pretty cheap and conditions are also poor and, yeah. There's no consequences for them in those countries. Yeah. And so uh, it just the rise of a fact, industrial revolution proved plentiful that if you just do not regulate the workspace to make sure it's clean, it's going to be dirty really quick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think my biggest fear right now, and I, and I don't know how it's going to be for the next generations to come, having to do with factory farming, what we eat, what is in what we eat, um, how that affects, um, how we said global warming, climate change in general. Um, the thing I'm fearful of is how that will really change, like the ingredients in like what we are eating. Like, are we really eating the beef that we're eating, or are there other ingredients in there that could possibly cause a lot more harm? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really speak. I don't have much evidence or uh, just previous knowledge on mm-hmm. that to be quite honest i mean all i mean i do know just like the fda is it's in itself make sure we're not putting things that would be necessarily harmful yeah into these meats but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not all natural yeah you know it's artificial sweeteners artificial anything that could be a supplement to, to vitamins mm-hmm. and that may not harm the body by all means you know if they they help they help you know yeah. just just because something's artificial doesn't make it bad yeah but i also don't know what what could be in in these products because we're not the ones working there you know so that's definitely something to look into though because i've just read in a couple how we were talking about articles how they were stating that a lot of countries have banned a lot of ingredients in the food that we have, freely yeah. give out and encourage people to use and eat and consume um, I don't know everything having to do with the like what we eat and how that um, correlates to our healthcare and how that might work and all of that's just been intriguing me lately because it's it's an interesting topic that I guess like how we were saying different generations experience different things I don't think our parents were experiencing that much of um, corruption I would say mm-hmm. in what we're eating and how that affects our health. But let's go on to the next topic. I wanted to ask your position on immigration. I'm going to ask how you feel about it. Um, I feel like in the media right now, people, well, not right now, but kind of when Trump was getting elected, it was much more, I mean, immigration's always been a problem, but I feel like it was spoken about more around when Trump got elected and about building a wall. And where do you stand with that? Well, I'll say I, I'll just be bl- blind. I'm I'm not in favor of Donald Trump's policies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's a policymaker. Maybe he was a good businessman. Maybe he is a good businessman. Maybe, um, mm-hmm. but I, he's he's not my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think in regards to immigration, I think in the very beginning, his message to America of what immigrants look like was very poor. 
And I think he he was just very disrespectful in a sense to mm-hmm. definitely disrespectful um, trying to paint a picture and image of what what the immigration crisis on the border looks like right now mm-hmm. and um, it became about immigrants coming to America to look to take our jobs to to come for a purpose that was had no dignity mm-hmm. you know and, and in reality immigrants come to America not because they're trying to take American jobs because they'll, they'll take any job they can get if they're mm-hmm. coming from a third world country. Yeah. They're coming to America to, to find some opportunity, some something that, a glimpse of hope that they wouldn't have in their own nation that could be either war-torn, economic downturn, mm-hmm. uh, dictatorships. You know, yeah. there's, Latin America is, is America's biggest source of immigration right now. And uh, during the, the immigration crisis in, in, I think it was 2012, you know, um, that, that moreover showed just the response uh, or just what the magnitude of, of immigration can look like if it was a existential crisis from other countries. Yeah. You know, I think there was some crazy figure like over 10,000 children at the border at one point because they were driven out of their countries and made the trek from El Salvador to yeah. across Mexico and then finally get into the U S where they were stopped. You know, mm-hmm. they couldn't be granted asylum or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I'm very much an optimist when it comes to immigration. I think um, if you're an immigrant wanting to come here for work, mm-hmm. um, depends on what your criteria is. But more often than not, if you're a skilled worker coming into the United States, we should welcome that. Yeah. Why would we want to turn away educated workers? Mm-hmm. Especially, let's say, a city like uh, San Antonio, for example. Yeah. San Antonio's got a plethora of educated, skilled workers, right? Does that mean we have too many? Absolutely not. We could always use more. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if they come from Houston, Dallas, Mexico, Canada, China. A skilled worker is a skilled worker. Yeah. You know, there's there's no difference, but other than just the status of what your nationality is, mm-hmm. that's that's just the bottom line of what immigration is. Yeah. And I, as we were talking about earlier, I do feel like um, tensions are high with people's having an opinion um and with especially when it comes to the blm movement um i have seen so many videos read a couple of articles um i i feel like mainly all the information i've been getting from it and it's sad but that i've seen because i guess i haven't really looked into it as much as i should um is from social media and my opinion is for the people therefore i feel like i do stand for people feeling like they are being discriminated and i think right now because of everything being put on in this in the media more people are being aware maybe about what's going on and they might just feel like um racism has been something that we've dealt with for years and years um yeah maybe in a lot of ways we have advanced as a country when it comes to racism but I definitely believe that the people that experienced racism or were the racist back then might still be alive today, might still have conceived people today that have those same opinions of being racist. Um, and so that's kind of where I stand as of right now. I just feel like um, a lot of the times when it comes to these topics, as I was saying, I don't want to speak freely all the time because I don't really know as much as I should. And I find, I, I don't know if it's, I actually find it 
you know, a little bit like uh, discouraging. Like when I hear like somebody say that they don't want to speak out on something yeah. because of one of two things is going to happen. One, they're going to say something and they're going to get a fact check real quick, maybe absolutely wrong because they're just uneducated, mm-hmm. which at that point, it, that's a fair argument. You yeah. know, you didn't educate yourself, you didn't read the news or you didn't um, listen to the details. Or second, you're going to get blasted on your opinion, whether mm-hmm. it's right or wrong or whether it's just for having an opinion because you're not a person in a position of power or a person that's in the position of being discriminated against or not really the heart of the movement, yeah. you you get penalized for that mm-hmm. for no reason. Um, and uh, it sucks. Like I said, I think a lot of people... Uh, I, this is why I hate social media. Um, I mean, I'll, I, I have a Twitter. Don't use it. Instagram, use it. Um, for the memes, pretty much, but n- not for news. Yeah. But social media is probably the easiest way to get blind of what is really happening, what a movement stands for, um, because you're not speaking in front of anybody. You're speaking behind a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, people who voice their opinions on social media, you can find out there. It's sometimes rather harsh. It's it's pretty rigorous. But when you talk to them face to face, it's the message they convey is, is not nearly as passionate, not nearly as aggressive in, in their manner, you know? I think, for instance, like, we'll just go back to Black Lives Matter, you know? I personally had a friend um, who was black. I'm not going to give any names, but um, I gave my opinion on, on what was happening, protests um, that were getting violent. It wasn't from protesters. It was from others, outsiders, bystanders who were... Um, not a representation of what the Black Lives Matter movement was, yeah. but nonetheless, um, sparked sparked violence, and and there were some people who said they had the right to justify violence and rioting and looting and mm-hmm. everything like that, just because there there has been uh, over a century of oppression, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, that that just didn't sit well. I was like, well, I, to blatantly say that there is some justification and that it's you know um violence is okay i'm a pacifist you know i'm not ever going to say violence is okay yeah you know because i think there if we're you're truly an adult and you're really somebody who's open to your own opinions and you're really somebody who's willing to listen you it's something that you can talk out you know you Mm -hmm. can you can have a formal discussion about it how you do solve the issue you come together conjugate Mm -hmm. and you find an issue and for the long term that doesn't involve both sides trying to put the blame game on each other and getting it violent so how did that conversation end the conversation end so um to finish the story is she didn't like the pacifist approach okay um her her perspective was is more very rigorous of um the African community, African American community, has every right to justify their actions. They can do whatever they want to show their true potential. Mm-hmm. Um, that night, left, never heard from her again. Blocked me on everything. Called me out on Twitter. Called me out on Instagram. Everything, without directly calling me out, which I do appreciate that because then I would have had to get directly involved. But um, it it was an attack on on my on beliefs for having an opinion. Um, and where I was tagged as having um, white passing privilege. White um, passing privilege. Yeah, where I, because I'm white passing, that I, 
I then thus have aspects of white privilege. What does white passing mean? So white passing, um, there's variations. So I'll be you know very careful with with how I'm describing mm-hmm. things. Um, but but white passing means that although you're not white yourself, you are not necessarily a part of minority group that would prohibit you from um, not having the rights that a white person would have that yeah. uh, somebody else may not. Um, which not true. You know, I <laughs> first let me first. I am not white passing. If yeah. you catch me on weekends, I am a mariachi. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> if if you catch me on weekends, I won't speak English. Yeah. You know, I. And um, that's, it's not because I'm white passing. It's because, I mean, sure, I've been, I've had tremendous avenues to success. I've, I've had strong support groups. I've had opportunities that, that I'm, I'm very grateful for. But it, it has nothing to do with me being privileged in any way. You know, I've, Grew up in poverty. You know, at one point, I had a family of seven living in a two-bedroom duplex when it all started. Mm-hmm. Um, going to school while a single mom's raising four kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And luckily, there's a support group around it, but some people don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people have it worse than me, but does that take away from the struggles that I went through? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No. Um, and I think it's, I think it's very... Like I said, very discouraging whenever I hear somebody not want to voice their opinion because they're afraid something like that might happen to them. They'll be shunned or they'll be um, exposed, per se, you know. Yeah, canceled. Yeah. cancel culture. Cancel culture. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. What people people don't realize, people, if you don't take the side that they're on, they'll, they'll call you a bad person. They won't. They won't listen to anything that you have to say. Everything is surface level to them. You'll be categorized in a box. You're placed in a in a box. Yep, and, and you're left there. <laughs> and that's where I say you find out who your friends are. You mm-hmm. really do. You find out who's willing to listen to you. You find out who's willing to engage in those tough conversations that need to be had if you want to solve issues like that. Yeah. Um, because I promise you, if you just want to keep shoveling those conversations and just shunning somebody for having an opinion and put them in the closet and not touch them again, you're you're not going to do anything. I mean, you might have some short-term alleviation of the problem, mm-hmm. but if, if your end goal is to just eliminate, like in this case, you know, racism in America, yeah. you need to have those conversations. That's, it's inevitable. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And let's jump into this, other, the topic of cancel culture, because I, I feel like I've seen the most out of cancel culture, um, not that I've been old enough to see how life was before the media or social media. Um, but seeing it on a weekly basis, someone different being canceled for anything that someone claims about them, whether it be true or not, um, something that they might have said, um, you know, years ago. Yeah. It's, it's so extreme and it makes me, it makes me sad because I feel like we all mess up and I know that sounds so vague, but we all really do mess up. And I oh, think we, do. we just, yeah. we, we don't have a list of all of our mess ups when you first meet someone in person, you know, but everything you put in the media is stays in the media. Therefore it's like the receipts that people use. They use those receipts to, to prove you're a bad person now. Like I said, categorizing. Um, and it's sad because I feel like years ago, that's what, like when I was younger 
and I'm going to about to expose myself. <laughs> um, I actually, I remember, I don't know how old I was. I don't know if it was seventh or eighth grade. Um, people, I was around a lot of people that used the N word that weren't black. And it was a known thing to say that. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I feel like I just caught on to those social cues that people had and I, and I would repeat them. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, you're, you're, this is yours before you're 18 or before you're an adult, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I think I still entered that going into my freshman year of high school. Like I still had that mentality. Yep. Um, I wouldn't say it in front of someone, but I actually looked back on one of my old Twitter accounts and I saw that I said the N word on a video or something. And I, I look back on that and I'm like, see, if I would have gotten famous <laughs> like now and someone found my account, I would have been done. And and for for good reason, only because I don't agree with people saying that's and that's nowadays. crazy too. Because you're a child in the was, video, you're yeah. you're adolescent, you're naive. You you were probably in a position where that you didn't know what the social context of that word really could have on somebody. Yeah. Nobody could. Yeah. What are you going to ask? You're going to ask, let's see, you're going to ask a 13-year-old for them to explain that? And then that's the thing. Right now, now that I do know the, the context be- between the word and what it stands for, I wouldn't say it myself. Now that's the decision I've yeah, made for no, myself. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's sad that like how I'm speaking to you and I'm saying like I'm scared to say certain things. I'm pretty sure if I knew how cancel culture would have been now, I probably wouldn't have said anything back then. Yep, but like I said, you're you're a kid. You you say a cuss word in front of your parent. You say a cuss word and you get caught. Yeah. You don't say it again. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not you saying it doesn't mean you you because you said it once whenever you were 13 or let's say yeah. let's say you're even 23 and then you 30 years down the line and they're like, well, look back when he was 23, he said that word. You know, okay at this point you're just looking for something to to hate me because people Uh age differently someone can be a certain age and have the mind of a of a different age yeah maturity maturity is it plays a big role in in that too and i think as you grow up you just naturally become wiser your opinions change yeah they're never set in stone Mm -hmm. if that was the case we our society would not be any different than what it was centuries ago yeah it's it's the the ever-changing landscape of of what is and what isn't and and the world we live in today is is how our world will be shaped you know so i really like how you had said earlier that everyone wants to be themselves and do you think since everyone wants to be themselves that it's so easy to cancel someone because everyone just has because they're not like you yeah yep and you think do you believe that 100 percent yeah yeah and i think you find out who your friends are again you know if somebody will accept you for who you are acknowledge the differences but likes who you are will band with you and and be your partner even if you're not quite the same welcome to america that's what it was supposed to be like And, and now we've reached so far um where where people are just so extreme in their beliefs sometimes and so so stubborn to listen to the other side and regardless if the other side prevents a flawless argument yeah presents just beautiful beautiful just just a line of reasoning they'll still not listen that's that's ignorance Mm -hmm. that's being very stubborn and 
going through social media, you know, just trying to find a good meme, you see it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that um, people feeling like they can simply cancel someone for something that was said long ago. Um, do you really think that train of cancel culture will continue on? Or do you think it will get to a point where people get tired of doing that? Because it's, it's something that, like you said before, when you're behind a screen, it's so easy to say such negative things and harsh things about someone else. But I don't know how much technology and the media will change over time to where... I think it's stopping right now. It it is? I think it is. And I think people are getting fed up with it. Um, (laughs) Because, put it this way. If you you look, and this this tries to get very political. Mm -hmm. Most people who who indulge themselves in cancel culture are either on the extreme left or the extreme right. Okay. Okay. Can we agree on that? Is that agreeable? Yes, I agree on that. They're on the extreme left or the extreme right. Those that are being canceled are not on the extreme left and right. They're in the middle. Mm. They're either moderate liberals or moderate conservatives. Yeah. You know, they're they're the ones who are unwilling to to go that far extreme, to be that progressive. You know, I think that's why, for instance, like, Bernie Sanders. That's yeah. why he lost. He was so extreme, so progressive. Whenever you put a moderate next to him, it's it's a little bit more appealing. Yeah. You know, even though Biden can't remember what he says. <laughs> um, and I think people are getting fed up with it. Um, just in this election, you can you can see it. You know, they they didn't choose somebody who was extremely progressive for the Democratic ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump himself is also just, he's not necessarily an extremist in what he does. He's just unfiltered with what he does. Yeah. And and because of it, it comes off as extreme, but he's, in all reality, not really a Republican and not really a Democrat. He's just there, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I can see cancel culture probably getting to a point to where there's there's going to be more protests. There's going to be more s- social uprisings on on things that are being pressed so extremely, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be negative. I think it's gonna have some negative impacts for for the people who are just collateral damage. Like I said, we're living in a time where we're facing issues that our ancestors were the ones who caused. We haven't had institutionalized slavery in in this country for for over 100 years yeah jim crow was a thing in the 20th century that definitely was you know a a form of discrimination and and was discriminatory but that ended in 1964 you know what um women didn't always have the right to vote but they finally got the right to vote in the early 20th century Mm -hmm. and now we're here in the midst of the 2000s and the 21st century and there has never been a time where where Americans, black, white, Mexican, anything, whether your ethnicity, race, cultural background, where you have been more free. Hmm. And it's hard to believe that this is the freest time when people are so against the system, so against the government, and and saying that this government's not for the people, it's against the people. Mm -hmm. It's still perpetualizing these, these issues that lasted 
well for a hundred years of slavery, mm-hmm. you know, Jim Crow, yeah. discrimination. And, and my argument, and this has been probably my most controversial argument that I always have with anybody. Let's hear it. Is I think the time for institutionalized racism is over. I think I can't find anywhere in the United States constitution where it would say we are discriminating on the practice of gender or race. Mm -hmm. The government doesn't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. At this point, it becomes very at the micro level. Um, These talks or instances of of racism, you know, you, you can have it in more cities than some, especially if you're in a Southern state versus the North. But, but, but the bottom line is, is, if you go to the court of law and, and if you can prove that it was there was racism, the government will acknowledge that racism exists and that that is against the law. Yeah, that is no more. There's no more laws that will say um, African Americans that live in this community we're going to call these red line laws and we're going to make those we're going to identify those districts as poor so that way people that are investing don't necessarily invest in them. Those got abolished, you know. There's been a greater push for equality now than there has been in any precedent before. And and I don't mean to say that it we just should just leave it as it is because we always want to strive for something greater. Yeah. But if you keep beating your own system and you never work with it instead of against it, you're you're not going to get anywhere. You know. Yeah. That's what made the civil rights movement such a success. It was passive, it was protests it was meeting with the government officials it was choosing representatives so they could vote for you and your representatives passed the civil rights act 1964 yeah you know and i know that a lot of what we see especially on twitter is is a mixture of some things might could be facts and then other things could be very emotionally driven and i think when it comes to, well, I hope to study psychology further on. So I really like digging into what people feel based off of their opinion. Do you think you go based off of, you know, your moral standpoint rather than your feelings when it comes to your opinions? Every now and then I have a gut feeling about something that yeah. will tell me to believe in one thing other than another. Um, but usually... I, I'll never just take anything at its surface level. Yeah. Absolutely not. And I think that's why when it comes to cancel culture, it it's something we just impulsively react to. Extremely it's surface level investigation. You know, it, it, like nobody, nobody will ever, if I told you racism in America existed and I showed you a video of like a black man being shot, your immediate thought is racism in America is being perpetuated by white men mm-hmm. who have too much power in the police force. See, my logic is okay. That's a bold. It's a bold statement. Of course, racism in America does exist. That isn't to d- deny. But I want to know if this video that you showed me, or, or this specific act, this specific scene, is a case of racism. So I'm not going to take the video at surface level. I want to know everything about that video. Who was the cop? He's got a, yeah. he's, he has a history of, of violence. Does he have a history of, of being an outlier, being a little fishy to where, you know, people had suspicions about him being mm-hmm. racist? Who's the guy that got shot? You yeah. know, who, what, what happened to that point to where it reached the climax of, 
for instance, like Jacob Blake, you yeah. know, um, being shot. What well, what happened before he got shot? You know, and people are very quick to just take anything that happens and get so furious over it um, that they don't they don't dive in beyond the surface level, mm-hmm. and that's very very ignorant, yeah, extremely ignorant. Um, and what's even more sad is whenever you have those talks, whenever you have the, the, the deep analysis of something, people will still refuse to, to listen, you know, no, no, I don't care what happened. It doesn't justify this. Yeah. Why? Why doesn't that, you know, like there's a why behind everything Uh, until you get to the core. Once you can't say why anymore, if I ask you why, 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 and you're like, well, that's just how it is. Then at that point, we know we can know. Yeah. No, I I agree with that. And I think being able to reach to a point in your life where you want to ask questions, as many questions as you can, is the most important thing. Because it's so easy to, like you said, see something on social media and it being labeled, because that's what the generation we're living in, labeling things, um, and just accept it for what it is. And... Oh, I, it scares me um, sometimes as well when I think about when I were to have kids and where what time period are they going to grow up in yeah. w- with what they say and their opinion. Um, because I feel like um, we're probably going to be able to have much more of a voice with social media. I hope so in the future to where... I, it's going to be interesting to see how that will play out. Cause yeah, I mean, been, the technology yeah. is going is to be, like, off the charts when we're, like, in our 50s. Yeah. At least that's what you would hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, 50 years ago, um, internet wasn't even a thing. Yeah. You know? So we're, like, the guinea pigs for yeah, yeah, anything some, regarding yeah, some sense. Yeah, for sure. the internet, the media, all of that. All right. And I wanted to ask you... Aside from political views, um, getting to know you a little more, uh, I've always enjoyed asking guys this question. Uh, Do you feel like society um, places labels on men that affects their mentality and how they see the world? Well, of course. And what do you think those things are? Um, Just having as a man you're naturally supposed to be masculine you're naturally supposed to be the leader of the house the protector of the house mm-hmm. you know you're, it's, it, we've gotten a, quite a distance from um just the women staying at home and they're now mm-hmm. in the workforce now educated like like men um they have those opportunities now um mm-hmm. so i think th- that's changed a little bit over the years for sure but i i think just overall men have this social pressure that they shouldn't be weak. They shouldn't be a coward. And if they don't have their act together by a certain time, let's just call it 21, 18, by the time they're an adult, then they're lost. And then they're useless. They're nothing. You know, mm-hmm. no, nobody, like first, a woman will not search for a weak man. Yeah. Right. Nobody's going to say, well, what kind of men are you interested? Oh, I like the shy ones. Yeah, I like I like the weak ones, you know. There's just the put on your happy face, go out throughout your day. You're not supposed to show weakness, and um, I mean by all means, it's sometimes it works in somebody's favor, sometimes it doesn't. Just depends on how you reciprocate that kind of um, 
that kind of like tonation, how you how you take those those kinds of criticisms. Yeah. But and it's it's interesting um seeing those society norms being pushed on men now, be, especially with how fen- feminism has entered in the picture and how a lot of women are viewing men. Um overall, we really don't get me wrong, I've met a, some men that are have questionable uh, values mindsets mm-hmm. that um no there's, it, it's there's really hard yep. it's really hard as a girl not to think that all guys are like that when you meet a, a lot of them <laughs> yeah i think it's hard to forget though that there's also over three billion men in the world yeah you know well, it, of course it, I and mean, <laughs> and i think i think it's also really easy to to just like get unlucky and you know come across some douchebags <laughs> yeah and and that's your caution towards men you know yeah. your first initial is this guy's probably a jerk this probably is arrogant this guy's probably big-headed mm-hmm. and then once you get to know them you know oh he's not he's sweet wow yeah. look at that soft spot you know and i think um i don't know there's for me i i, I think it's just absolutely impossible to to compare a man and a woman and and to they're they're so different mm-hmm. you know they're so different in their mentality not mentality because both are equally as fierce and trying to accomplish their yeah. their dreams and goals but our biology but, is different yeah the whole so, bio yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean there's 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 actually like neurochemistry that's actually involved in, in like why men are more aggressive than women yeah. you know why why men are more likely to commit suicide than a woman you know like mm-hmm. women are more likely to attempt suicide but men are more likely to go through with it why because they're more aggressive mm-hmm. um women tend to be more agreeable than men yeah um but agreeableness also is is a handicap when it comes to um, grit and um, not determination, but I guess uh, that sense of fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Men tend to be a little bit more more reckless in their actions, you know, yeah. like in the workforce, you know, like uh, engineers, for instance, majority just so happen majority of engineers are, are men, mm-hmm. you know, is because men tend to like things. Whereas women tend to like people, they like social interactions. That's just a chemistry thing, you know. And these are studies that have been done ar- around the world by clinical psychologists that mm-hmm. that are are pointing out that there are these biological differences that are consistent in every so- society, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, I mean, we're again, I'm not against feminism at all because I mean, I, I do, I think there's some there's some discrepancy in a woman's right and a man's right that that um what is it called the uh they don't have necessarily the same opportunities Mm. to start you know yeah um the equality of opportunity is not there that's what we should be striving to achieve we need to make sure everybody regardless of your man woman black white everybody has the same level playing field the equality of opportunity to achieve a similar goal yeah that's not the same as the equality of outcome though uh, you know I, I don't think anybody if we if we said everybody regardless of man and woman we all want to have the same thing in the end then oh, well then we're all we're all puppets yeah. <laughs> i feel yeah, like there's... we all try to strive for that word equality i feel like equality holds such a huge meaning it's not just uh, of course everyone wants to be equal but what is it trying to find how does that equal look for let's say like how you're saying in the workforce between men and women whether that be race gender um 
it's hard to pinpoint, especially how because everyone has a different opinion. Um, I wanted to go back to what you had mentioned about higher suicide rates in men. Uh, why do you think that is? Um, men are more aggressive than than women. So, like mm-hmm. I said, um, because they're they're more aggressive, they're more likely to to commit hostile acts. I mean, if you look like in, in, in prison incarceration rates, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason why there's majority men and not majority women. Yeah. Men are more violent and when they're raised in a society where they don't have necessarily all the opportunities to, to break that you know, level of violence or they're just that environment of violence, then that's where you see men getting incarcerated. You see mm-hmm. suicide rates are, are high. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I also did say women have a higher suicide um, are more likely to attempt suicide. Attempt suicide yeah. But they're less likely to go through with it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's just, again, that's just the whole idea of what it is to be a man versus what it is to be a woman, you know? Yeah. And there are differences. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I think what, what really holds down the country, or like, I guess, when feminist movements is they, they want, you know, at the end of the day, for a man and woman to be equal. Yeah. But coming out of a womb, they're not. You have an XY chromosome, yeah. XX chromosome. You've got if you put the world's strongest man versus the world's strongest woman, there's those biological features that the man will always win in a fight. Yeah, the woman's always going to be more agreeable than the man. You know, there's just some things you can't change. Yeah, I feel like I feel like overall women are just more empathetic. Yeah, for and sure. We just we think for a lot for other people. Yep. We think. Yep. We can feel that in other people. And I think that's why when you said most women probably attempt it but don't go through with it is because we're able to think about, well, how is this going to affect this person? Yeah. How is this going to affect that mm-hmm. person? Um, and and I, I'm not I'm not a, psych- a psychologist of any means. No, but I like, know. I, yeah. I also like – I also – I couldn't tell you like the neurochemistry around it or anything no, like yeah, that. But course. it's just – that's what the studies say. Yeah. You know, and, and – um, Ugh, that's a it's a there's a whole big debate around yeah. that you know what is and what isn't but that's where you need to not take everything as surface level <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah nice it's nice that you closed it with that um all right so i pretty much i agree with a lot of the things you state with especially um how you go about your opinion because i feel like you really don't um just agree with the first thing you hear and I hope that in the near future, we will get to a point where people will want to ask more questions and base their opinion off of what they genuinely believe, not what they hear and not what is just shown on the media. Um, so I want to close off with a couple questions um, about you. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? I will hold a public office. Okay, and how do you think you'll you'll get to that point? What do you have a plan, or do you just know that you're gonna get there? I have a plan. Yeah, do you want the plan? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, uh, this year I'm investing in real estate. Okay. Um, it's not for my own living expenses. I'm not buying a house for me to live in. I'm investing for somebody else to live, somebody else to pay rent, somebody else to pay my mortgage, somebody else to essentially pay a loan off for me, mm-hmm. and at the same time building revenue from yeah. that. Not just one house, and five years i should have 10 houses and in real estate uh, essentially that will replace my income and once my income's replaced of 
of me working, having to go out and work, I can then focus all my attention towards politics in which I use my government degree, my my business endeavors in real estate or my mm. business endeavors with Madagachi to then sell myself to the public of this is why I should be a good candidate for A, B, or C office. Yeah. And and I don't know where I want to start yet. I would think I would like to start local. I mean, I think I'll inevitably have to start local, but at the same time, I don't want to start as a secretary for, you know, our small office. Yeah. You know, I, I think... Um, I think a lot of people that I see that are in office, some that are nationally televised, some on the state level, local level, I can tell them. I, I'll speak them. I think they're very poor in their flow of ideas. Yeah. I think they're poor in, in how they um, communicate with others and how they try to win over the argument. You know, mm-hmm. they're not sympathetic sometimes. Sometimes they're not assertive. Sometimes their presentation presentation style is not there. Their hands aren't speaking what their mouth is saying mm-hmm. or vice versa. Yeah. And it's it's definitely going to be competitive. But I think with, you know, years of just having all of this time to gain financial freedom and then being able to put all your attention to now my degree, presumably in government, mm-hmm. then that would be what would spark my career in politics. Yeah, that sounds like a steady plan. And do you, what, what do you think you, let me, I'm going to delete that. Oh my gosh, you can barely hear me. Um, in regards to your plan, are you comfortable with failure? Like yes. if something stops you on, along the way? Yep. Yeah. How do you get comfortable with failure? Um, really for me, I just get bummed out. <laughs> like it's okay to feel bummed out like yeah i i look in like I, let's say i was going for let's say theoretically i'm going for a i don't know a state representative seat mm-hmm. and i lose the election okay damn <laughs> wow well yeah. well should i go cry at home should maybe for a night maybe i'll have a glass of wine and, and maybe drink it off or something like that but yeah. That's that's not that's not gonna discourage me from trying again the next year. Yeah. It's not gonna discourage me from from going maybe not to that seat, but maybe something higher, mm-hmm. maybe something lower. Maybe I was overqualified for the position. Yeah. Maybe that's why I lost. Yeah. Maybe I was underqualified. But those are the questions I have to ask myself. And um, failure tells you a lot about yourself, and it teaches you. You know, yeah. I don't I don't think I've ever I've never been discomforted by failure Mm -hmm. and and i think i got used to that quickly because of debate because what's a what's a loss you know a loss is just if i'm debating five rounds and i've debated four times and now i'm two two i've won two and lost two Mm -hmm. i know i need to win the next one if i want to advance on you know those failures were a part of making my cases stronger making my argument stronger and making overall my my um the integrity of my argument is stronger Mm -hmm. and come round five the idea is i'll win (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's not like fuck i lost two you know it's it's just the go-getter mentality is what a lot of people are either lacking sometimes they're scared and they're um ready to just face anything that they may fear Mm -hmm. um and if that fear is in the form of failure then just gotta overcome it Yeah. yeah No, I like that. Well, 
It was nice having you, Adrian, for this podcast episode. Is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, yes. So <laughs> I will. Um, this is just like my own shout out, I guess. Um, <laughs> you can uh, follow me uh, on Instagram, Adrian underscore Bruman, if you mm-hmm. haven't already. Um, and then on the 26th of this month, I'll, I'll actually starting a little bit more uh, political podcast. It's, it's going to be totally different. I love what you do here. This is just more about the self. You know, yeah. I like this. This is a little bit like abstract for me and not in my comfort zone usually. <laughs> um, but but um, my podcast will start on the 26th. That's on a Saturday uh, of this month um, called Detached from the Surface. It's going to be mm-hmm. diving in behind surface level argumentation surface level what you see on the media anything like that and it's really just going to be about politics world health and um usually in an in interview style of, of asking mm-hmm. people with totally opposite views of me yeah. of how we in the end the, the goal is for, for every episode to come to some sort of common grounds and mm. be on the same side yeah. instead of opposite sides yeah but just some things if you need a mariachi mariachi cielo azul you can find us on facebook you know um just type in Mariachi Cielo Azul. We're located in Austin, Texas. You'll see we should be the only student group. But. Sounds good. And uh, will you be giving updates about your new podcast on your regular account? Yes. Will you yeah. Have so, account? Um, well, there will be once we start on the 26th is whenever we'll release the new account. Um, so it'll be very, very new. It's, it'll just going to start the base. Yeah. The podcast will be released. There's not going to be like any following base or anything other than just what adver- I'll be advertising starting next week or I guess tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh it should be fun it should be fun it sounds really interesting you'll be there you'll be on there too you'll be you'll be (laughs) on there very soon and then uh i'll give you a shout out to her up there sounds good yeah Yeah, no well thank you so much for being here and thank you guys for tuning in to this podcast episode if you've made it to the end um i appreciate i appreciate you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next one yeah thanks for having me